Well, hello everyone, and thank you for joining me today. Uh, this is the message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio, for Sunday, February the 6th, 2022. My name is Melvin Gaines. We appreciate you joining us today. Pray that we can get started, and I pray that the message will hit home for a number of us who struggle with that very thing that we look at in February, especially around Valentine's Day, and it's about the subject of love. And uh, we just thank you again for being here. Let's pray. Father, we just give you praise and honor for who you are and for what you represent for us. We pray now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit does all the speaking and gives all the insight and wisdom that you want to have shared. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, and we thank you for how you keep your promises and that we have so much to look forward to uh, in the coming days, months, and years. And we give you praise for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, we're now in the month of February, and we typically recognize February as the month where there is talk about love because of the onset, in just a few days from now, of Valentine's Day. It is where a number of people take interest in the subject of love by extending greetings with cards and candy, flowers, gifts, and perhaps even engagement rings, or even getting married before a judge at a city hall ceremony. It's a big deal for a lot of people. Even for those who are not in a relationship, there has been a recent push to celebrate great friendships by promoting Happy Galentine's Day. Uh, this additional approach has done wonders for greeting card givers, which has experienced a bump in revenue over the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Now, it's technically not a holiday, and we, we all know that, but Valentine's Day is a big deal to a number of people. It is very popular for some merchants as well. In a recent article, it was reported that the average American this year is going to spend about $164 and 76 cents for Valentine's Day. Now that's down from 2020 when a record $196.31 was spent per person. But the pandemic's impact on this year will still translate to a collective spending this year of $21.8 billion on Valentine's Day gifts for partners, friends, pets, and more. Amazing. Valentine's Day is a means of expression of love. But the theme of love is not limited to romance, of course. Now, if you hang around long enough, you would recognize that today's definition of love, depending upon the user, can have different meanings. This should not be very surprising at all. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the English word love has referred to a strong affection for one another since about the 12th century. It has grown to include descriptive words such as passion, affection, and devotion. Let's approach all of this now from a Christian perspective. In referring to the Greek language, depending upon the source, there are actually as many as eight Greek words for love. I'll go over these very slowly just so that you can take note of them. First one is storge, 
storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, which represents affection. Then philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, which represents friendship. Eros, E-R-O-S, which is sexual or erotic. Ludus, L-U-D-U-S, and it represents flirtatious, playful, casual, uncommitted. Then we have pragma, P-R-A-G-M-A, committed and long-standing. Philosia, that's P-H-I-L-A-U-T-I-A, which is self-love. Now that self-love can be good for your self-esteem, but it also is bad when it gets to the narcissistic level. Mania, M-A-N-I-A, which you probably would predict is obsessive, possessive, addictive, and dependent. And finally, agape, A-G-A-P-E, unconditional, divine, and selfless. So those are eight different words that are representing love from the Greek. In the Christian realm, four of these Greek words are most often mentioned in discussion. That's storge, philia, eros, and agape. Interestingly, only two of these are specifically referenced in the New Testament. Eros refers to romantic or sexual love. The English word erotic comes from eros. It is not referenced in the New Testament. Storge is a familial love that we would see between a mother and her baby or perhaps a brother and a sister. It is not specifically in the New Testament, but there are references to storge from an opposite perspective of love. The term astorgoi is unloving, which means unloving, is in 1 Timothy 3.3, and astorgus, which means no love, in the NIV version, and without natural affection in the King James Version. And that's in Romans 131. Let's take a look at those verses individually and so you'll see where I'm going with this. Go to 1 Timothy 3.3. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Timothy 3.3. And let's take a look at the English Standard Version of that. I'll read that version. Follow along on your own. 1 Timothy 3.3. First Timothy 3.3 says, Not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Okay, that's the reference that's being mentioned in that passage. Now flip over, uh, please, to Romans 1.31. Romans 1.31. And remember, this is also referencing... Um, no love, and without natural affection. And the words are simple, but in Romans 1.31 it says, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. It's the opposite of storge. Now let's take a look at philia real quick. Philia refers to having a friend or friendship. Please go to Romans 12.10. Romans 12.10. 
It's a pretty good example of the filia love that we're referring to here. Romans 12.10. I'm presenting this from the English Standard Version. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And finally, agape, as previously defined, is most often referring to God's love that he has for the world and how we, as Christians, are challenged to replicate it to others. John 3.16 is the epitome of agape love. Amen? And we often refer to that. And there are many different examples of agape love in the New Testament. And this is where we're going to camp out and spend much of our time today. At one time, there was a popular belief that Christians created the concept of agape love in an effort to explain the revolutionary concept of God's love that was much different from the world. Well, in reality, agape was a commonly used Greek word in the Roman Empire. And initially, because it was used there, Christians did not start off using this word to communicate the magnitude of God's love. Now let's remember what the definition of agape love is. It's unconditional love, love from a divine perspective, and selfless love. That's what agape represents. Now I have often personally said that words mean things. Now, that's not a breathtaking statement. That's a pretty common thing to recognize. But it makes a lot of sense to make sure that we communicate not just God's word, but all words that we use with as much understanding as we can obtain. In other words, know what you're referring to. Uh, make sure that you take the deeper meaning into what is being said and what's taking place. Paul provides a cautious reminder about how one's actions about love must meet the words that we use. Please turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, and let's look at verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. I'll be reading this from the New Living Translation. Uh, please follow along in your version. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I hope you can see where we're going with this here. And what we need to recognize here is that when he continues after making this statement, Paul does, with describing what love truly is and what it needs to be at all times when it comes to our relationships with others. So drop down to verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13. 
This is still from the New Living Translation. We're going to go through to verse 7. Starting at verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, love is patient and kind, excuse me. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth, whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Amen. Now, I love the reference here about how love never loses faith and is always hopeful. Now, when we look at this passage, we should look into our own hearts and minds and see that this love, as described, is how we are to love Jesus. If you have any questions about how God loves you or how you love God, please look carefully at these words and reflect upon them in prayer. God's love for us is perfect, and we are to strive to love him as he indeed loves us. We have to strive for his perfection because there are imperfect aspects of love in relationships and even in our own relationship with Jesus. To love requires humility and vulnerability. Humility and vulnerability. For those of us who have walls and barriers when it comes to love, you've got to break those walls down. You've got to break them down and get rid of them forever. Especially if you want to be the child of God that you're setting out to be. The Holy Spirit can help you in this area. But in many occasions, love requires what? Stepping out on faith. It requires daily prayer, meditation of his word, and moving forward in his grace. Now, getting back to agape love, it's also helpful in this exercise to look at how Jesus looks at love in a different manner, a different manner than perhaps we may understand because we live in the fleshly world that we live in. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Luke 6, verse 32. Luke chapter 6, verse 32. This is going to be from the English Standard Version. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Now, this is not a contradiction. Let's look at this more closely because it's an interesting point that's being made here. The love described here is referring to agape love. But the most important point we need to take away from this is that we need to see here that the love that sinners expresses is not the same as the selfless, sacrificial love that we associate with Christ-like behavior. There is a difference. So while the definition of agape love has not really changed, it is repurposed when we as believers live the agape love of Jesus Christ. 
We are to practice agape love with our spouses, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our fellow members within the body of Christ. And that basically is everyone, literally everyone that we come in contact with. That's the agape love that we should be practicing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, agape love requires a heart for God. A heart for God. The reason for this is because we must love God and devote ourselves to him in the same manner that he loves us. A heart for God means living in obedience to his word and also living as a servant within his great commission. And of course, the Great Commission comes from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Remember, a heart for God means living in obedience to his word and living as a servant within his Great Commission. Let's go back over the three points once again that represent agape love. Unconditional love, selfless love, and love from a divine perspective. Unconditional love, selfless love, and love from a divine perspective. Let's cover these three things for greater clarity of what agape love represents when we're representing Jesus Christ. First, unconditional love. Of course, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a special love, isn't it? Romans 5, 8. Why don't you turn to that? Romans 5, 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. From the English Standard Version, Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's unconditional love. Now, there's a series of verses in 1 John. I love 1 John uh, because I, I attribute that as like the love book. Uh, it really does give a lot of different examples about love and God's love and who, and who he's represented by, uh, who represents him as far as love is concerned. The love that Jesus demonstrates to us. That's what I'm trying to say. 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 8. 16 and 18. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8, 16, and 18. 1 John 4, let's look at verse 8 together. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then drop down to verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe that the love, the love that God has for us, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Now look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Remember I said there's a perfection that takes place as we practice this agape love? We are striving to do more and do better. And verse 18 is a demonstration of that right there. 
God's love for us is indeed the perfect demonstration of love. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he abides in or he resides with every believer. And we love him in recognition of his perfect love for us. Amen. Next, let's take a look at selfless love. In addition to the description of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, here are some additional verses to take a look at for consideration. Please go to John chapter 15, the book of John chapter 15, verse 13. Selfless love is what we're talking about. For, uh, John chapter 15, verse 13. And in this particular passage, it's a very familiar one. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Amen. That's a selfless love. We recognize that Jesus Christ is the one who laid down his life for us. That's how much he loves us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Please turn to that to take a look at it with me. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This will also be from the English Standard Version. Please follow along in yours. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's selfless love. Focus less on yourself and more on others. And Galatians 5.14 states, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't it be great if more people took that example when it came to love and was not looking just to get ahead for some sort of self-interest or something like that? Selflessness is the key here. Finally, a look at love from a divine perspective. A look at it from perhaps how the Lord sees it. Amen? Please go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and let's look at verses 7 through 9. 1 Peter 4 verses 7 through 9. Now, as we look at these verses, too, I want, I want you to understand that you can apply these verses to uh, the different areas in some way, shape, or form that we discussed before, the unconditional part and also the selfless part. But I also want you to see how it's important for us to get a perspective on how God is going to be sharing with us in his word how important it is for us to really carry on the thoughts that he has when it comes to how love should be shared with others. Verse 7 in 1 Peter 4. The end of the world is coming soon. Wow. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. 
cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, we're really talking about going above and beyond when it comes to being charitable and looking at how God sees it and views it and acting in that manner. And I hope that you can see that from this particular passage here. Love covers a multitude of sins. How quick are you to forgive people? How quick are you to let things slide and not answer back or make retorts or say things that are unkind in response? Some things you just have to let go. And honestly, Jesus lets a lot of stuff go in our lives, frankly. But love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Here's a passage that's a little bit different approach, but I want you to take a look at it. Go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And I want you to see, as we get towards the end of this passage, how the Lord approaches who we are and looks at who we are and, and how he even rejoices because of who we are uh, as his creation. Let's take a look at this. Verse 14, this is the New Living Translation. Zephaniah 3, starting at verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. Verse 16. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. That's love from a divine perspective because that's basically a representation and a reading as to how Jesus will rejoice when he is with us in his kingdom. Amen. Don't go too quickly on that one. Think about that. Let's look at Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, please. Romans chapter 5. Verses 3 through 5. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. This also will be from the New Living Translation. Verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us 
because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Look at that last part again. We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's love from a divine perspective. That's the love that God shares to us. And communicate with us and let us know how much he loves us. Jesus Christ loved each one of us before we knew anything about love. Amen? Before we knew anything about it. His love for us is eternal. It is everlasting. And as eternal beings, which we all were created to be, by the way, we're created to be eternal beings, we can experience his everlasting love today and forevermore. Amen. What an amazing, spectacular relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Do you see it that way? You should. His agape love for us is the ultimate love. In the spirit of Matthew 5.16, we are to follow Jesus' example in order to reflect his agape love before others. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, 16. I think you'll appreciate this verse. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See your good works. Faith without works is dead. People need to see the love of Christ coming from you. Let your light shine before others. Here's a good example of this. If you want to take a look at that passage and give a comparative to another passage that's very, very interesting. Um, let's take a look at the encounter Jesus had with the centurion, who was the Roman officer. And of course, we need to also establish that he was indeed a Gentile, not a Jew. And so he was outside of the group of people that a lot of people thought that Jesus was addressing only the Jews. Of course he wasn't. He was addressing everyone. And here's a Gentile. And I want you to see what Jesus said about this Gentile. Go to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. We'll cover those relatively quickly. But I want you to see Jesus' response when he hears and recognizes the heart of the centurion. A great example for all of us. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And let's start at verse 1. This is going to be from the NIV version. And please follow along in your version. Verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Verse 2. There was a centurion servant who his, whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 8. Watch carefully. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Verse 10, Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Look again at verses 4 and 5. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation, referring to the Jewish people, and has built our synagogue. Now, this is another reference in the New Testament of agape love to start with. Look at the heart of the centurion. He reflected a godliness in his approach that others readily saw. He was letting his light shine before others. And it was recognized by the Jewish elders. The Jewish elders saw this Gentile and the special heart that he had for Jesus. Well, the heart for God. There is no other love, no other love to speak of that crosses racial, ethnic, or economic lines than the agape love of one who loves God. Amen. Unconditional love, selfless love, love from a divine perspective. Jesus reminded us of the importance of this love in communicating with his disciples. Let's take a look at one more passage. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is referring to agape love, of course as he refers to his love for his disciples. His love was a divine, unconditional, selfless love. And he demonstrated this when he went to the cross for each one of us. He desires for all believers in him to love in this manner and to be a witness before others. The world needs Jesus. Amen? The world needs Jesus, and he wants you to shine in it. Let your light shine. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your teaching and your instruction and the details 
that all of us need to hear or be reminded of every now and then about what this agape love really is. And when it comes to our love for others, may we express that very same love to others as well too. Lord, we just thank you for your teaching and we thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for you loving us before we knew how to love you. We thank you for giving us instruction on how to love others. And Lord, when we mess up or when we don't get it right, we thank you for your forgiveness when we ask for it. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your encouragement. And thank you for showing us how much you truly love us. Where Lord, you promise that you will rejoice when we are with you in your kingdom. And we thank you for that. We thank you for showing us that you're a God that is far beyond a cold and callous God. You are a loving, caring, endearing God. We thank you for that too. Thank you for helping us to overcome myths and barriers when it comes to the importance of recognizing your love and how we are to love others. We give you praise and thanks, Lord, for this teaching, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for today. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you spending time with us today. I pray that you take this information, take this message, and love others the way Jesus Christ loves us. Take care of yourselves. Have yourself a great day. God bless you. We'll see you next time.